You are listening to Lightning Strikes Thrice, the JRPG Games Club podcast that loves soy boys in space. This is season six, episode two, covering the first cutscene brick and the Plemera rescue in Xenosaga episode one for the PS2. I'm your host, Chris Taylor, and my pronouns are he, him, and with me today is... Ryan Beatty, my pronouns are they, them. My name is Fletcher, and I'm he to say, three queers and a gay doing a let's play. And I'm Phil Holmes, uh, he, him, unless you're a drill sergeant, in which case I answer to asshole and dick. <laughs> uh, on a note of errata for the last show, friend of the show and noted descendant of Abraham, Matt Marcus, pointed out something we did not call out during recording. The Zohar emulator has the Hebrew letter Aleph on it, as opposed to the gem on the original. It is the first letter in that alphabet and sometimes used to represent the number one. This will come up later, and he wanted me to make that noted. Thanks, Matt. After the destruction of the Woglinde, we return to the cutscene brick on board the Elsa, a ship crewed by three dudes and their teen friend. The captain is a man named Matthews, and his two crewmates are his pilot Tony and the science guy Hammer. Also, chaos is there. I love Captain Matthews' hat so much it just says in all caps caution i am a boozer danger danger <laughs> it's so good and it's shaped like terry bogard's hat from fatal fury yeah it's a trucker cap it's a beautiful look all around thank you captain alcoholic terry bogard fun fact we don't even see him drink anything by the end of this update we won't for a while you know he has to though because my man drinks so much he has a robot bartender so he doesn't have to make his own drinks <laughs> wouldn't you no okay chris human supremacist apparently when it comes to drinks robots can't mix the precise amount because there needs to be a variability so tony and hammer are discouraged by the captain's plan of scavenge the dead remains of the wuggling day for parts to pay their rent so it's firefly but less interesting real hard to be less interesting yeah i was about to say <laughs> these three alone are going to be more interesting than the entire series of firefly <laughs> Firefly is so bad It is incredibly crap I haven't seen it since I was a teen So I cannot comment Firefly is for people who think that steampunk Was a little too cool for them <laughs> <laughs> I like Firefly I liked it back then but man it has not aged well Especially like half the cast and crew Like confederate sympathizer TV show Firefly Didn't age well you don't say Yeah I know right not to mention the wily oriental tricks of a whore in space. Joss Whedon tried to do something with positive sex worker representation, but because he's Joss Whedon, he fucking has no idea and ends up just being a garbage man about it. It's it's great. It's great. Why are you attacking garbage workers by comparing them to Joss Whedon? They do valuable work. <laughs> okay, how is it that you can be the worst person on a show that also involves Adam Baldwin? <laughs> That is kind of impressive. It's extremely impressive. So anyway, the four of them work for a foundation under the man named Guinan. It's pronounced like Whoopi Goldberg's bartender on TNG, Guinan. And uh, Cosmos' body brushes aside the ship and gets stuck in their windowsill. Matthew tells Tony to maneuver to push her off, and they get horny for her. Oh, they're such creeps. It's creepy because they're like, well, she, she's a woman. She's pretty like you thought she was a corpse. Tell you right now, this segment, embarrassing segment to play with your wife in the room. 
Oh my mm. goodness. Yeah, they're pervy, pervy, pervy Cowboy Bebop cast-offs at the beginning of this episode. Yeah, it, it's creepy. Uh, Prue begins freaking out when uh, she begins moving and broadcasting her voice through the ship's hull. Cosmosis has a very simple sales pitch, which is, uh, let me in and gate jump to second Milsha. I'll pay my way. And if you don't, I will break through your window and vent you all into space. Uh, they do not buy it, and she demonstrates that she is very capable of this by cracking the bridge's window in a single punch. Cosmos very early is very much a we built a monster that looks like us situation. I do like that, especially since all we've seen about her last activation test is there was a body count and she looked way gnarlier. We're still kind of ambiguous about is she a good person or being yet? Bro, that cutscene I thought was going to be in this episode is rough. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We will get to some shit next time. Uh, before she leaps off to circle around to the cargo bay and be let in, she picks up on Tony prepping to pull the accelerator, and she just says, if you pull that throttle, I will shoot out your engines, and only one of us will remain alive. Oh, damn, I thought these notes were Italian racism for a second. Tony prepping to knock her off. <laughs> <laughs> so before they leave, they pick up Shion and Alan's escape pod, but only because... Cosmos intends to leave without them and says, we'll call another ship to pick you up. We have a deadline. And during this scene, Shion, who is sitting inside this little cargo container with Alan, reveals she cares nothing for her team's lives. She's just going, I don't care about those people, Alan. What I'm worried about is Cosmos is on the loose out there. What are we going to do without a robot? So this whole thing comes to an ultimatum. It's so funny because Alan tries to frame it like Cosmos can't be trusted with the welfare of the crew and Shion just can't see that. But actually, also, Shion can't be trusted with the welfare of the crew. Well, also, they literally just saw, like, very recently, Cosmos just iced a guy just to get a better shot. Yeah, yeah. So during this confrontation, when Alan begins wondering if anyone else they worked with is even alive, she berates him for not worrying about the robot enough. They all regroup on the Elsa after Shion threatens to murder them both by opening their escape pod to the vacuum of space, thus triggering Cosmos's vector employee welfare failsafe. Triggering the libs. <laughs> yes, thus triggering the libs. This is when Chaos, whose name is always spelled in all lowercase to contrast with Cosmos's all uppercase, this is when Chaos arrives. I love that in the subtitles, it's never like capitalized. Yeah, in every single part of this game, he will always be written like that in menus, in dialogue. Chaos, besides having all lowercase letters, is also the first non-white dude in the game. Cosmos ignores him and keeps scanning the guy, but a whole conversation happens off screen that results in the decision of, yeah, no, let's let's let them on. Chernikov asks if he can be let off at a stop on the way, and Matthews lets on. He was formerly a Marine as well. Then Gnosis arrives, and we reveal why they let Chaos have his way. The Gnosis grabs Chernikov, and Chaos just grabs the Gnosis, and it just starts fading from existence. There's a good line here as Chaos dodges the question about how he did that. Everyone has at least one skill they excel about over all others. And he goes around the room just pointing at Hammer and Tony. And we get to uh, the captain. Nobody has more debt than the captain. <laughs> Fucking owned. 
It's even better because he just doesn't realize it for a second. He's like, yeah, that's right. Hey, wait a minute. You guys. <laughs> Alan is the only sane person in that series and needs the speeches over. He's just like, that doesn't explain anything. But everyone. <laughs> they always ignore Alan. Kind of sucks. It does suck. The series would be so boring, but also so short if everyone just listened to Alan. <laughs> yeah. We cut to another uh, young boy somewhere else. This is Wilhelm, commander of the Kukai Foundation. Cosmos is reporting to them as the foundation is also under Vector Industries umbrella. For what it's worth, we will later find out that the person Cosmos reported to conveyed her info to a red cloaked grunt with a familiar voice who is now the one reporting to Wilhelm. Also, Wilhelm has a device called the Compass of Order. And it's now telling him it's the time to do a coup. The game offers you another chance to save during this extremely long string of cutscenes. And then we transition to another planet melting in a horrible fashion and fading from existence. Is this a, um, I think this is a video footage of Second Milsha that the uh, Jedi Council we're about to see is watching. I don't think it's Second Milsha. I think this might be the Milshan incident. Well, whatever the planet that they are out to investigate is. Yeah, first Milsha. That's why they had to make a second one. Right. Along with six Jerusalems. We're only at five right now. <laughs> they got to stop moving that embassy. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there it is. So aboard a cruiser, Commander Margulis is lecturing his lieutenant, Pellegree, about how, oh, you feel bad if out a few billion deaths? Wah, wah, fine. Go tell someone to get executed for me. And then we cut away from this scene because it had... Nothing to do with everything and pacing is a lie. So now we're on the capital of Fifth Jerusalem. The Jedi Council are all discussing shit in a circle of thrones. This felt also to me not only like the Jedi Council, but also like it was recalling a circle of powerful people discussing how they were going to remain powerful or whatever, which uh, reminded me of Deus from Xenogears. I was thinking Organization 13. Oh, were you? <laughs> This is so Star Wars, like fucking Fifth Jerusalem is just Coruscant. Mm -hmm. We will get to play around there later on. Oh shit, we're going to Coruscant? Yes. <laughs> also, I hope you like the Weeb planet. <laughs> That's all of them. Is that where Jin lives? Yes, actually. Corando <laughs> mm. <laughs> is there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um... So this is where we are introduced to Ziggurat 8, soon to be known as Ziggy. He's over 100 years old, and he is a cyborg made from the recycled corpse of a dead cop. We should probably discuss right now, since they're going to mention it on and off five times through the next cutscenes, the Life Recycling Act, which was a thing that happened around the era where Ziggy was alive, we need a lot of manpower. We don't quite have androids and tech for things like Reallians yet. So they would just take people who donated their body as organ donors, stick cybernetic parts on them, and turn them into machine slaves of corporations. Sign your organ donor cards, kids. This is overturned <laughs> around the time of the games by the Kukai Foundation, and they make a giant push for the rights of the dead. Ziggy uh, is not making a big push for the rights of the dead because it has already happened to him. Yep. So now he seeks out assignments with the lowest chances of success and he keeps pulling them off. 
We are also now introduced to the name UTIC organization, who people are murmuring about their resurgence again. The short version here is that there are two forces at war on the galactic stage, Vector Industries and UTIC. UTIC is using an ancient cultist shrine on an asteroid as a hideout, and they have a prototype observation series Realian held hostage. Uh, this is pretty important to them because the observation series are about to come out and are the ones that can do the Hilbert effect. The Vector Industries was a subsidiary of the actual like government. Vector basically does own everything. They kind of are a government. They're Space Raytheon. Yeah, pretty much, given all the industries they touch. So um, Ziggy's mission is to get in, secure her, and get back alive. However he does it is up to him. He says he'll do it, but asks if he succeeds, they remove his organic brain. Basically replace it with cybernetic parts. He also wants them to uh, wipe all of his memories from being a person. Mm -hmm. Right. This confuses everybody like, well, why would you do it? Someone uh, does a uh, search for him like, oh, he committed suicide. He flat out shot himself in the head. That explains it. Uh, yeah, they're also like, it'll be fine. He has a fail safe that keeps him from killing himself or jeopardizing the mission. And um... yeah, we should probably talk about <laughs> angry fuck you psychology guy who goes off in the middle of this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, at the end here, the lady points out uh, in an era where realians are clamoring for more and more human rights. Here's a man that wants to become a robot, which like I see what you're going for. But also realians aren't robots. Yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, muddling and confusing about the points about machine intelligence that the game wants to make. But yeah, also, as Fletcher introduced a little bit um, during this, one of the members of this Jedi Council just starts railing against psychology like he's real big into space Scientology. Yeah, I didn't write down the exact quote because it's very long and weird. And I think something was lost in localization. But the gist of it is that... How dare psychology constantly warping its way into our lives and telling us how to feel, what to do. I hate all of it. Yeah, it specifically said we have thousands of drugs. What do we need psychologists for? That was the part <laughs> that I meant. Yes, thank you. It's it's real weird. It's yeah, it's strange. And nobody comments on it. Well, this whole council codes as shady to me anyway. It's you're the good guys, technically, I guess, but they're a powerful organization looking to smuggle a weapon of mass destruction, a, a sapient weapon of mass destruction um, out of space Catholic territory. So, it, yeah, it's it's uh, it's a little muddled. We cut to Margulis's ship and we see the girl who refuses to give him her name. Margulis just wants her alive so they can speak to, quote, the man inside her head is when my wife said, Ugh, I left the room. Uh, also, he will be arriving soon to help with this. Margulis is menacing Momo, and he utters the line, Machines like you exist to be used. Do you even have a god? Which really shows us where he stands on the whole are we aliens people debate. They don't go to heaven. No, they don't. <laughs> so we finally pick up character control after around a solid hour as Ziggy on board this asteroid. We are invisible for a single room before Solid Snake's cloak breaks like it always does. This is weird because there's no reason given for this. He just walks into the next room, starts sparking, and then goes, hmm. But we have a flashback before you can do anything again. So 
We cut to the council room again. This time, only the woman is there, and she's briefing Ziggy privately. This is Dr. Yuli Mizrahi, the inventor of the 100 series Reallians, and Momo's mother. So, Momo has the files of one Dr. Joachim Mizrahi in her brain. Joachim Mizrahi was the founder of UTIC, so they want that information back. Also, when Ziggy makes a face, she just goes, Oh, yeah, you've, you've figured it out from my name. Do you want to know what it's like being married to a murderer? Ziggy's just like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and then, again, we get control back, this time for real, and the dungeon is now a stealth mission. So these early dungeons are full of fun little mechanics and secrets that keep things interesting. I feel like usually early JRPG dungeons are just hallways with a couple of chests. Um, the stealth mechanics aren't extremely robust. You don't get vision cones, but there are like walking routines and you can generally tell when you're about to uh, trigger a soldier to um, actually start to run after you and notice you. Um, also, there are sound cues, which becomes hilarious because uh, Ziggy, who is this old cyborg with metal feet, has extremely loud footsteps that kind of drown out all the other sound in the mix. Cybernetic kick is so cool. It rules. It's awesome. I love Ziggy's cyber feet. Ziggy is cool until you remember he has a dumb switchblade in his arm. <laughs> I like the switch. It's so dumb. I think that's the perfect summary of what tech has changed in a hundred years in this universe. We used to throw a fucking switchblade on corpses and consider them disposable humans. And now we've made tiny moppets who can change the fabric of reality. And to do Egyptian cultural appropriation lasers. <laughs> Wait, is Ziggy an assassin? No, he's um, a mercenary. Yeah, he's a mercenary. No, I mean, I mean, from Assassin's Creed. Um, you know what? I could see it. He has all his fingers, unfortunately, so he can't be a true assassin. No, they they changed that eventually. Yeah. What? That's yeah. the only cool thing about it. They actually they change it as early as two. It's only Assassin's Creed one where you have to cut off the fingers. And after that, Leonardo da Vinci is like, oh, I, uh, I fixed this for you. Anyway, you don't have to cut off fingers anymore. Bye. That sucks, though. Assa you know, Assassin's Creed one is the best one. Fuck off. It's true. I totally agree. I would argue it's the Egyptian one just because these sick pieces where you go into the afterlife and fight gods are pretty cool. I would argue anything after three because I didn't play any of them. Word. That's fair. So much like the Gnosis on the Woglinde before you get Cosmos, if you trigger one of these fights during the cell section, they're basically a guaranteed wipe. If you run into a four person group, uh, they outnumber you and tend to be faster than Ziggy. While the three enemy group are just HP drains, the four enemy group has a nastier fucker who will poison you as well. It's doable to get through these fights, but it will be a slog. There's an item you can uh, pick up that you, uh, will actually protect you against poison. Yes, it's still going to be you can only take one round of hits yeah. from these guys, though. It sucks. I'm just letting you know, if you did get stuck in it, you, there is that option to protect yourself against poison. Mm -hmm. There's a uh, part in this intro bit where you have to distract in eggs by breaking a box with a crane, but then it reveals a treasure chest. And I'm like, well, I got to go get that. So I go and fight this eggs and I burn both my stems because it did not occur to me that in like literally 30 seconds, I would have a second party member. And this would be easy. <laughs> so I'm like level nine by the time we get to Margulis later. Whoops. <sighs> I Chris, I still can't believe you did that, even though you've told me what? That's just 
wildly insane because that fight is already tedious with two people and you decided, but what if I punch myself in the dick during it? Well, it's fine. You do a lot of damage. You kill him in like three hits when you use the physical stim and then he doesn't get a turn because you also use the speed stim. <laughs> God, you just chewed everything up. All right. Word up. Bro, you're talking to the guy maintaining a stock of 99 med kits just so I don't have to give a shit. <laughs> They're so cheap. I'm trying to play this one legit and you're yeah. telling me, oh, yeah, I threw all my money into this shit. Why would you not? Because this because you all got angry at me the last time I ran and did the notes with a fucking powered up party. No, I'm just saying, like, why would I not buy those? They're 20 gil and they represent between them whatever 99 times 50 is worth of free hit points in a game where you can't run away. I, I'm really enjoying playing this game legit, just just saying uh there are you trying to tell me that this is not legitimate no 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 i (laughs) i think i think that's a little weird but also you do you if it helps you get through this man play how you want to play uh but it is degenerate play but there's nothing wrong with degenerate play but it is degenerate play to be fair this early in the game it is still pretty difficult compared to most jrpgs yeah that's true that's absolutely true yeah we're going to stop having dungeons where touching anything will probably kill you soon yeah so eventually you find Momo in her cell and then you get a key and you break her out and she names herself Momo as well as uh, gives Ziggy his nickname. When you get the key, there's a door. He says this can open any lock here. You go around the first door you come to. This door is locked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Motherfucker. <laughs> Every lock, except this one that we didn't tell you about. So that one did make me mad, actually. Yeah, no, that, was, that one was frustrating. And then I didn't realize that I was supposed to backtrack again to, and use that door later, that that was an important door. So I ended up kind of running around some hallways for a while. Well, because they don't let you touch the button. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the button doesn't do anything until after you get Momo. Right. Mm-hmm. It literally just said like a little text box. Oh, I should get her out of the dungeon or. Oh, like, I can't go here yet. That would have been enough signposting. But no, it's like this door is locked. Like, but I have a key what yeah 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 it's literally Uh, master key (laughs) right right Uh, and but no but this one is a keypad so it doesn't count for the master key you you need the button that doesn't call itself a button the first time that you click inspect and it just says oh this is the viewing room where you can see everything that goes on i was mad yeah so in case we haven't said it yet ziggy is very much modeled on a midlife blonde david bowie uh ziggy stardust apropos um his voice actor also to me ryan extremely does not fit his too smooth and young face uh ziggy's voice actor richard epcar is just too overwhelmingly recognizable as bateau from ghost in the shell so it is literally just bateau's voice with smooth-faced middle-aged bowie looking at you the whole time also I know we're going to discuss this more as the season stretches on, but Momo being a 12-year-old girl fucking sucks. It feels like Monolith is really trying to say something by creating a powerful weapon with the appearance of youthful innocence, but the creep factor involved that's added to the proceedings really muddies that and just kind of leaves a gross taste in my mouth. We can accurately summarize Momo's whole deal by reading a comment from a podcast listener that says, the way they subvert the lolly actually being 1,000 years old by actually having her just be a 12-year-old is brave. <laughs> I I feel like since we're going into this, let's talk about how 
so many characters in this series all have prepubescent looks and it's real weird. And in the case of Reallians, they explain it. It's easier to mass produce them when we don't have to get them to full size. They're half grown, etc. That's just a side effect of that. That doesn't explain chaos, junior, um, like there's a few secretaries and things who are very short. Some of Xion's allies in future games are going to have this problem. It's what makes Tony so gross. Yeah. Is that Cosmos is like, look, 16. I mean, that's not the only thing that makes Tony so gross, but yeah. Look, there's normal guy gross and then there's Tony gross because the person he's talking about looks like they're 16 tops. He thought she was dead. Yeah, that also doesn't. Happen. Yeah. But I see the point Chris is making. Yeah. And at least Cosmos has figures that look post pubescent. There's just so many people in this series who look 12 or under. Um, we didn't call out Wilhelm is a tiny lad. Yeah. There's a bunch of these, and I don't know why it is the case for 90% of them. Yeah, again, it's one of those things where sometimes it feels like Monolith is trying to say something, and sometimes it just feels like asset factory nonsense, where someone just wanted to make these characters 12, and it, it clangs really abrasively on my sensibilities. It does have the Tamino effect of making every adult immediately distrustworthy. <laughs> That's also true. Except Alan. So there is a mid-boss before the prison break. It's not very interesting. Its only gimmick is that it summons funnels endlessly when attacked. And uh, these are not a problem at all because you have a um, 6 AP infinite ammo wide shot weapon that uh, does enough damage to kill them both in one hit. Yeah, it's it's mostly just tedious because with one person... Every time you hit the center robot, it will resummon the funnels, even if only one is missing. You can't just take out one and use lesser damage. It's just tedious. I have gotten into the habit of not doing anything but a six AP attack, because why would I do that? You get eight AP worth of damage out of six. It is objectively better. Mm -hmm. This will also change a little as you start unlocking more skills and combos throughout the game. But yeah, right now it's kind of that way. So we're breaking out of the prison facility. But to get out, you have to find a robot who, if you've been stealthing the whole time, like you're supposed to, is going to be incredibly difficult. The game presumes you've gained a couple levels just in case. And if you're at the stats you arrived here at, you're going to do single digit damage to anything but electric attacks, which Ziggy does have a tier three move for that. But this uh, enemy has over 600 HP. You can make it a little easier using Momo to put it to sleep every turn, but this burns through all your EP, and then you're not guaranteed a lot of EP recovery items for the rest of the uh, trip out of here. I don't know. You got like 12, and biospheres exist. There's a save point right there. It's fine. It's not even a cursed save point. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just saying that using all your stuff, depending on how you take on a couple more fights throughout this place, I, I don't know that I would say burn all her EP right now. Yeah, you do okay damage. You do like 50, probably 50, mm -hmm. 60 with just the cybernetic kick if you are like level eight. Yeah, see, we hadn't fought anything. We hadn't fought any enemies. And if you're doing it like single digit, single digit, maybe 30 to 50, like the crit turns really change that. Crits are so huge. Yeah. yeah. Like from 30 to 100, they're enormous. Yeah, they really are. Yeah, you don't want to let enemies have those crit turns. 
Yeah, I made that mistake several times in the early chapters. And get fucking owned. Yep. That's okay. Matt is worse at the game than you are, probably. <laughs> well, you know, attack something, be like, oh, this is charged. I don't know what that means. Okay. Mm. So, like, attack plus 60% charge. Like, wait, what the? F completely destroyed. <laughs> so, as we progress through the dungeon, we get another flashback cutscene. Momo doesn't know what Ziggy's name are, and uh, he says it's Ziggurat 8. She tells him it sounds like a model number, so she just names him Ziggy. Like, what the <laughs> fuck? Mm -hmm. This makes him remember his life as a human, where he bought his kid an artificial dog, which is named after the replicant that goes rogue in Blade Runner. <laughs> the Nexus 6. The kid said the same thing about the dog, and um, that's about it. I guess we're supposed to feel about that. Yeah. Well, here's the weird part. Momo actually mentions, oh, does it remind you of a dog's name? Like, did she read his thoughts or was he saying it? his flashbacks out loud? <laughs> I think it's a weirdly localized name, just like the way that's spelled out. I think it's supposed to be like, I'm sorry, does it sound like a pet or something? And then they just really called it on the nose. Yeah, that makes sense to me. So after this cutscene, we need to escape from all of the funnels being sent after us. Uh, we go into the previously locked room and we go through a sewer sequence, making your way through these slime covered corridors and running away from the trailing funnel drones is tense. But the consequence for going too slowly is just a battle with those drones. I enjoyed it OK, but I only ran into the drones like one time to describe the series, the sequence in a little more detail. You are being chased by the mini boss you fought as Ziggy Solo for the key. And you have goo on the floor that slows you down, so you need to weave between those. There are pipes you can walk on that are above pits of the goo. The trick is to just very carefully tightrope across those. Don't try to run because the drone is not going fast enough to catch you if you're occasionally running. It's only going to catch up to you if you walk the entire time. So take those slow. You can keep yourself out of the way. I got through this without having to do a refight and still got the... I think there's a treasure box down here. Yeah, mm -hmm. same. Yeah, it's completely doable. Just don't panic because that's what will wreck you. Right. It does get a little close on that one. No, I, I never saw it again on screen. Oh, well, look at Captain Gamer over here. Fucking MLG Xenosaga player over here. How's the contract? <laughs> I, this is my fifth run this year. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's me, Chris Taylor, from the future during editing. We lost about 30 seconds of audio here, but what is missing is that at the end of the drone chase sequence, we go up a ladder and Ziggy and Momo emerge behind some crates in a room with three enemy eggs. Ziggy doesn't think he can take them, but Momo asks if he could do it if their sensors were scrambled. She does the Hilbert effect, but does it slightly differently and all their sensors go out. Ziggy charges in and you get into a boss fight with three eggs. Well, I have you here. In this upcoming section from now until the end, our audio Discord bot that records our backups started having a generalized freakout and continually disconnected and reconnected. I have done my best to edit around how distracting this was, but it will seem a little more barrel throughy and less naturally paced than normal. Thank you for your understanding, but before we get there, enjoy this music brace. There is no other good place for in this episode.
what it's worth, this fight is interesting because a lot of weirdly unbalanced fights in this series have a way to short-circuit them. You just have to figure out what it is. Nothing in this fight tells you that if you put the side units to sleep, the central commander will shoot them to wake them up doing massive damage. As he should. Yeah. I've been shot three times for snoozing on the job. Only two are friendly fire. (laughs) (laughs) America was shot two times for sleeping on the job by airplanes. (laughs) (laughs) Three times. Yeah, there was the Pentagon. Yeah, don't forget the Pentagon. Or forget the Pentagon. Let's you forget can, the you Pentagon. can really do that. Let's forget the Pentagon. Hey, never forget. We must never forget. Also, don't attack these guys when they have shields up. This fight involves a lot of the guard command. This fight fucking sucks. It takes like 10 minutes and you're never in any danger, but it's so long. Yeah, this is a really long fight. It's a long fight. It takes too long, but the cleverness of putting the side guards to sleep, it, it helped for me. So on your way out of the facility, if you have found the segment address near the beginning of the dungeon, the key is inside it as well. Pop by to get the thief ring as you leave. It gives a plus 10% chance to item drop rates. This rules for getting rare boss gear, which then in turn sucks because this game has rare boss drops that are not guaranteed. Like the guy we're about to fight. Wait, is that a rare drop? Yeah, the purple ring is the rare. You're only guaranteed a red ring. Okay, because I got the purple ring both times I fought him. Well, congratulations. If you get unlucky, you just get a red ring. This boss fight is technically optional. You can die and you'll lose nothing because even if you win, it's still... Is that all you got? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But if you do win, you get a lot of experience and some awesome items. The trick is that this is a battle of attrition. Make sure Ziggy has at least unlocked the bodyguard ether for this fight if you want a chance. It buffs his strength and defense when Momo is behind him. Margulis is faster than you by a mile. Ziggy is tankier than he is. If Momo remains on healing and you play cautiously, this is doable. The thing that ends this fight is if you let either character drop, which cuts your uh, available moves in half. Uh, If you succeed and hopefully you get the rare drop, you earn the purple ring, which is a great accessory for Momo, even though you should give it to Xiong because she has better offensive magic. It uh, gives you ether attack plus two. Later on, that will change. (laughs) Did this fight twice, won it both times. The first time uh, I had completely forgotten that ether skills exist. So I uh, ate through like 20 of my middle med kits and half of my ethers. Uh, I had to redo this fight later because the save point on the Elsa is cursed, as I found out. But when you get bodyguard, it's extremely easy. Mm-hmm. Every save point in this game is cursed. Only if you're do- <laughs> only if you're doing hardware emulation like Chris is. Uh, software emulation is fine. You just get weird slowdown mid cutscene. Just play it on a PS2 like I'm doing. It looks like shit. No, because then I have to wait an hour for all these battle animations. Well, and not only that, but then you have to spend a whole bunch of money looking for the DVD because it got expensive out of nowhere. Oh, you didn't just have this lying around? Or if you're like me, you have to get a new PS2 because the disc read error, which is why I never played this game back when it came out. Yeah, an early dual layer DVD issue, I think. Yeah. Yeah, Literally, this game was the first one that broke my PS2. Ah, damn. I have not had good luck with this game ever. Mm. I made a backup copy of mine in case the disc was old and scratched. And yeah, even compressed, it's still seven gigs. So yeah, this was an early dual layer. Either way, Markula stands undefeated at the end of this fight, which means Ziggy has to set off the bombs he laid earlier as a cover for their escape. When you defeat Margulis, you get like an insane amount of points. 
Yeah, it's so many. I got points times 10 and you just get like 1200 tech points. <laughs> yeah, if you can actually manage to make this fight line up that way, it it's real good for rewards. And this will basically springboard these two as being the most potent characters you have kicking around for a while. Let's talk about the introduction of the albino man who walks up uh, with a kid in tow and Margulis just goes, you're late. Take that, albinos. As Ziggy's fleeing, he senses something, doesn't have time to look, and the albino guy walks into scene after you flee. At this point, we return to the Elsa with another cutscene where we are told that Shion, as the only woman, cooks better than everyone and that the ship was in need of some estrogen. Yes, this is an actual quote. We have space gender essentialism because Tomino's here. They say the ship is in need of some estrogen. I just use paprika. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it does so well on curry. So the only person who was not at the dinner was Cherenkov, and so Shion reheats a plate and vows to take it to him, which is where we get two more emails, including the one that says, you can now virtually revisit old areas in the, encephal in the encephalon. And that is it for this week. I like that because you actually get to go back. It specifically says, if you missed old items, you can go back and get them virtually, but I'm still getting them in real life. Yeah, yeah. this is going to be even crazier when you see other functions the Encephalon can perform. Don't think about it too hard. I also love this uh, scene of uh, Shion walking around with a hot plate of curry, because you can see it steaming. Yes. Yeah. The way she runs is so good, combined with holding a curry. And she's, like, walking through... She's not just walking through, like, you know, a couple of corridors and stuff. She's walking through a hangar base and stuff. You can shoot your gun while holding curry. Well, yeah, you only need one hand for a gun. You blow up stuff and have shrapnel in it. I mean, you thought it was unedible before. Imagine what you have oil from the uh, eggs units in it. Uh, fun fact for the people who are playing on PS2, that entire Ziggy interlude scene skipped in the DS remake. It's an optional piece of UMN content you can see later in the game, but the pacing is so much better on that version. And that is it for the episode. Do we have any uh, closing thoughts on this section? I've got some closing thoughts. Um, so I did enjoy this segment of the game quite a bit, but some of the reasons that I was hesitant to come back to Xenosaga start rearing their heads in this episode. We've got space gender essentialism. We've got pervy side characters. And we also have uh, writing philosophically challenging checks that the game cannot cash with regard to machine intelligence and religion. Yep, we've got space racism, we've got space necrophilia. <laughs> Momo sucks ass. Momo sucks. I remember Momo being cool, and it turns out my memory of Momo is Xenosaga 2 Momo, where she has a cool beret and a sick bow. I will say this, I've never played this game before, like I said, I had terrible luck with it. This is the first time through it, and all I gotta say is, the moment they, she introduced herself as Momo, I'm like, of course that's her name. Mm -hmm. Is that a reference to something I don't know? No, it, it just seems like, yep, that's the perfect name for somebody that annoying. It is actually an acronym. Uh, multiple Observative Mimetic Organicus. Yep. So, Phil, you enjoyed the game? Uh, it's decent. It's a lot harder than I thought it would be, uh, which is not a bad thing. It's just like, especially this early on, the first few hours of a JRPG are not normally easy to get completely destroyed in, but... Yeah, and it has, like, an extremely strong first few hours compared to a lot yeah. of any other JRPG, to be honest. Maybe, like, yeah. 13. I can see that. Do you think you're going to keep playing it? I'm I'm thinking about it. If I can find the time, I probably will. Need a lot of time. It's extremely long. 
Not by hours, but it feels extremely long. Right. It's actually a pretty short game, especially if you're skipping cutscenes. Well, if you're skipping cutscenes, yeah, but if you've never played it before, you're not going to skip them. So I'm just saying I have at least one run of this game that is only 40 hours, and it's about 98% completed with side quests. Wow. Only 40 hours. <laughs> Fletcher, did you have any closing thoughts on the section? No, I I will wait because some of what I'm going to discuss begins coming up next episode. Uh, the section, very cool. I enjoyed it. Um, except for that one fucking robot as you come down the stairs who will aggro on you while you're still on the stairs. That sucks. Get used to a few cheap screen transitions like that. Mm -hmm. Well, that one's not even a screen transition. It's just fucking annoying. I'm just saying that is a problem with encounter design a few times in this series. Yeah, it's a PS2 JRPG problem, really. Yeah. So it's commercial time. Do you have any commercials, Phil? No. I got nothing to plug, sorry. I can be found with all of my projects at hellscaper.com. You can find me on Twitter if you would like, at Weeplord, or you can hear the sloppy demos that I'm making while I'm making my album uh, on SoundCloud at Catastrophizer. Uh, link is in the description. You can listen to Ryan and I's podcast, Lightning Strikes Thrice Extreme, by visiting our Patreon at tentacle.pro. And kicking in as little as a buck a month, it is this podcast, but about Final Fantasy XIV, the MMO. And without me. I'd buy that for a dollar. <laughs> you actually buy it for 50 cents because I don't value my time at all. Um, that's all until next time when we'll be talking <laughs> about the lead up to the cathedral ship. No, 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 just cathedral ship. The cathedral ship is later. Wait, is there a distinction between cathedral ship and the cathedral ship? Yes, that's that why I'm making it clear. <laughs> that fucking sucks. Okay, <laughs> goodbye. You know what? I'm out of here. This is like, yeah, goodbye. This is like Vatican City and the Vatican. This is my favorite joke about the Xenosaga series to people who are like, oh, it can't be weird. I played Xenogears. There's two things called cathedral ship in this series. One of them isn't a cathedral, but it's the one that gets the proper capitalized name cathedral ship. God, which one's which yeah. one has the space pope? The space pope is the cathedral ship in two. OK, cool, 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 cool. All right. I'm stopping my recording. Like I said up top, thanks for being a patron. Your continued patronage helps making these shows not be a financial burden without having to put ads in them. Since you're already a patron, you can help us out by reviewing your favorite shows on the podcatcher of your choice, telling a friend about our podcasts, or sharing an episode on social media. In case you didn't know, we have lots of podcasts. We have Being Jim Davis, a daily chronological Garfield comic strip recap podcast. Lightning Strikes Thrice, a JRPG Game Club podcast, Magmar Sucks, a show where we stack rank Pokemon based on how interesting their lore is, and last but not least, Boku No Stop, a podcast about anime and low-effort jokes. Thanks for being a loyal listener. We'll see you next time.
<laughs> yep. Yeah, get ready, because that's going to happen. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, when I said fuck off, it's because Craig disconnected a DM to me again. I have nine DMs from Craig. Thirsty. Well, just fucking send him a feet pick already and get this over with. <laughs> Feet are so sweaty right now. I'm not wearing socks, but I'm wearing slippers that are fuzzy on the inside. <laughs> we're so, we're we're so close here, y'all. Don't oh. tell me you're close when I'm talking about my feet. Oh no! <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, we're edgy close to the end. Of this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to get off this podcast so I can get back on island. Please. <laughs> I see. I love it. <laughs> okay. Huh. We're just trying to finish. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> uh, it, Craig. Craig's gone again. Craig's broken. Um, yeah. I think Craig is crashing.